Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. that one area in your life that you just can't seem to move forward. It's that one area of life where you feel stuck. Like you, maybe you've tried to start doing something, a new habit, or maybe to quit something, and you just haven't been able to get any kind of forward motion on that thing. It's likely that this area that you're struggling with in your life, you consider it very private and very personal to you, and it's also likely to be the most painful area of your life. We all have areas like that. And when you have an area like that that has hung around for a long enough time, you lose hope. You lose hope that anything can ever be different, and you start thinking, you know what? This is just who I am, and this is how it's always going to be. Whether your area of personal pain is weight loss, or you're like, hey, I want to quit smoking, or hey, my my marriage is in shambles, or, or I got some health issues, whatever that looks like, whatever your area of pain is, it clings to you, and whatever you try to do, you can't get free of it. And all of us have that area where we struggle. I I have that and I want to help you with that. And so today the answer of, I want to answer the question of what is keeping us from being free? What's keeping us from being free? And then I'm going to give you some some, uh, truths at the end to help you out in this journey. And understand that today I'm really just setting up this journey. I'm setting up the next few weeks. So I got a lot of scripture verses. If you're taking notes, make sure you, you, uh, you get all these. There's, there's a bunch in here. But the first one, this is our theme verse for the whole series, is John 8, 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So basically what Jesus said is, hey, guys, listen up. If you believe in me, You're going to go all in, and you're going to follow me, and you're going to learn my ways of doing things. He says, then there's a process that you have to go through after you become my follower. There's a process of knowing or learning truth. And as you go through that process of learning truth, that truth will set you free. And they answered him and said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free. It's kind of like the modern day Christian saying, look, I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm go, I go to church and, and I'm going to heaven. How can you say that I'm a slave? And Jesus replied to him and said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a while, if you got saved growing up or if you, if, you, know, you, you gave up a whole bunch of things in your life, there's still one area in your life that still affects you. It has influence over you, with you And that area holds you hostage. Ultimately, it makes you a slave. And the problem is, if you have an area like that, which I know you do, and I do, the problem is, is what Jesus said, a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. So as a slave, somebody that's got this area of sin in your life that you just can't deal with, that you can't shake free from it, you become a slave which means that you don't get all of God's best for your life. You just don't get it. 
And as your pastor, I don't want that for you. I want to lead you not just into saying yes to Jesus and eternity in heaven, but I want to lead you to a full and fulfilled life that God promises you. He has so much more for you. Salvation is just the beginning because once you get to know him, you get to know truth. And as you get to know that truth, that truth sets you free so that you're no longer slaves to the things that continue to haunt you. And check it out in the next line what Jesus says. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's what we're pursuing in this series. That, that's what we're after is free, freedom indeed. But I need to set up a couple things for you first. There's a few things that you need to know about yourself, and there's some things that you need to know about uh, the spirit world and ultimately about God. The first thing you need to know about yourself is that you are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. Most people get that wrong. They think they're an earthly being that has a spiritual experience on Sunday. And that's not who you are. You're a spiritual being having an earthly experience. And because you're a spirit being living in a flesh suit, a, 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 you know, a, a body, your spirit and your flesh are like warring. They're at war with each other. In fact, the Bible describes it this way and says that for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So what's happening? Your flesh man, your mind, will, and emotions is not saved. The second you said yes to Jesus, though, your spirit got saved and it became in line with God's will and God's purpose for your life. And it wants to do what honors God. But your flesh is like, I want to do what I want to do. Your body wants to do what, your, what feels good. You want to watch whatever you want to watch. You want to listen to whatever you want to. You want, you, you want to indulge the desires and the passions of your, of your flesh. And there's a war that exists because your spirit's like, hey, that's not what God would have for you. And you battle. And the way you win that battle, I preached a whole message series on this earlier, this, or a message in, earlier this year in, in our first series that talked about how you win that battle. You have to kill your flesh. You have to kill it. How do you do that? You starve it. That's what you do. You starve it and you make sure you feed your spirit. How do I do that? Here it is quick. Prayer. Prayer and reading your Bible fill, feeds your spirit. How do you starve your flesh? Fasting. Oh, that's a word nobody likes. I, don't, I like to eat. Yes, I do too. I get it. But when it's not just about eating, you can fast what kind of food you put in me. And some of you guys just heard, so he just said fast food. I can do fast food. That's what you just said? Is that what fasting is? I can do fast. No, you can fast or refuse to eat food. You can refuse to listen to certain kinds of music or watch certain kinds of shows. You can fast, have an emotional fast, have a, have a mental fast. You can take a break. You can turn off social media. You can fast all kinds of things. And when you do that, you weaken what it is that your flesh wants, and you feed your spirit, and that's how you win that war. That, that's how you do it. If you need some more resources on how to do that, because we, we just came out of a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you need resources on praying and fasting, how to build up, build up your spirit, man, and how to weaken your flesh, we have a resources tab on our website that gives you even a prayer guide and a fasting guide. Use those resources. They'll help you. But for those of you who have already done this, those of you that have joined us on this journey, that are, are making sure you pray on a regular basis, you're reading your Bible on a regular basis, you're choosing to do intermittent fasting and, and to honor God and, to, and you've turned off a bunch of stuff in your life. For those of you that are doing this, but you still have that one area 
let me encourage you a bit because you're not alone. You're not alone. The Apostle Paul, who planted a whole bunch of churches and wrote most of the New Testament, this is a great man of faith. He said this about himself in Romans 7. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very things that I hate. Man, I'm glad that's in the Bible. I'm glad to know that there's a great guy of faith who did all these great things for the kingdom, and yet he struggled in the same way that I struggle. Makes me feel pretty good about myself. I don't know if it's that misery loves company thing. I'm not really sure, but it makes me feel good. He didn't understand himself at all, and oftentimes I don't understand myself either. And I'm sure you're the same way. The struggle is very, very real. But there's also a very real solution to it, and Paul goes on to explain it later on in that chapter. And we'll get to it. But here's what I ask you today. Here's my big ask. I'm going to ask you to take a journey towards freedom with me. And unfortunately, I can't take you on that journey in 30 minutes. I mean, as awesome as my preaching is, I'm really sad to tell you that I can't get you free in 30 minutes, okay? It hurts my feelings, but it's just not possible. I do have a journey. There is a journey I want you to go on towards freedom. But if you choose to not go on that journey towards freedom with me, understand there's another journey that you're going to go on. And there's a progression that happens regarding that one area of your life. If you don't take that journey towards freedom... The first thing that happens is that area of your life that you can't seem to get free from, it becomes part of your identity. You start saying things like, well, I can't change it. This is who I am. I'm a smoker. I'm an alcoholic. I'm mean and angry. I mean, I was born this way. But you know, it isn't who you are. I mean, that's what the enemy wants you to think about yourself. But the second you've bought into that lie, the next thing happens. You feel increasingly hopeless. You start to, there's so much hopelessness in this room this morning regarding that area in your life. You feel like things will never, ever going to change. And you've given up hope that it will ever be different. The next step in that progression is that you become defensive. People start coming to you like, hey, you know, you may want to deal with this. Like, hey, I'm not sure if you can see it or not, but this is really having an impact on you. And instead of hearing it, you become defensive because you've lost hope and it's become who you are. And now when they tell you to fix that, they're essentially attacking you and you start to pretend like it's not there and you get mad at people and you start trashing your relationships to protect that thing. You become very defensive. What happens on, on the progression if you don't deal with it then is that you become a slave to it. Ultimately, it starts to own you. Now it tells you how you're going to live your life. And privately and secretly, because you don't want to acknowledge it to anybody else, you question, why do things have to be this way? How do I make it change? Because I don't, I I can see people, other people have freedom. How come I don't have freedom? And then the last thing that happens in this progression is you begin to lose your life. To me, this is the tragedy of the whole situation. Because it doesn't have to be this way. Wherever you're at in this progression, you can stop and go the other direction today. But if you don't, you start to lose your life. Maybe not just physically, but you can begin to lose the life that was in your family, the life that's in your relationships. You may be going to heaven, but you've lost the quality of life here on this earth. And I don't want that for you today. Today, I want to go the opposite direction. 
I want to take you there. And I want, to, I want to get you towards a journey that Jesus designed for you, which is to allow the truth to set you free. That's what I want for you. And here's the thing I really believe. I think we've missed something. See, I think, I think we've missed the truth. We read our Bibles and we hear, we hear good preaching and we hear God's word and, and we still miss things. We miss God's truth because we think about things incorrectly. We hear things and go, yeah, but maybe not for me. Well, that's nice for you, Pastor, and that's great that you've got it all together, but I don't know. We've held our heads with so much garbage and not put enough good stuff in that our thinking has literally become corrupted. corrupted. But we need new thinking because our current thinking that got us here isn't working. That's what church is all about. We come here on a Sunday morning and we sing better thoughts. We listen to testimonies and stories about people who are experiencing life change and we hear better thoughts. And then we listen to the message and there's better thoughts there. And then God comes along and he helps us take that better thinking and apply it to our lives so that we can become transformed. So together today, here's the beginning of the journey. Let's, let's start changing our thoughts. And one of the first things we have to do is start believing, hey, we're a spiritual being and we got to take care of that first. And then I need to tell you the next thing you need to start believing. You need to allow this truth in your life and it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's, it's a truth that most people don't like. It's an inconvenient truth. It's something that according to statistics, they say that 60% of people don't believe this next thing I'm going to tell you. But I love you. I'm your pastor. So I'm going to tell you. Because you need the truth. The truth will set you free. And the truth is, there really are demons. Some of you are like, oh God, thank God, that's all he's talking about. No idea where he was going to go. That was a harsh turn. Seriously, there really are demons. And he's not like this Halloween costume, red guy, pitchfork, and, 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 and pointy ears. That, that's not what they are. They are real. But most people just don't believe that. They, they don't think that they're real. They think the devil is a symbol. They don't think he's a real thing. It's more metaphorical. And honestly, if I was the devil, that's what I'd want you to think too. I'd want you to think I wasn't real. Because if I could convince you I wasn't real, then you wouldn't be worried about me messing in your life. You'd let me have free reign to do whatever because you're like, devil's not real. That's exactly what I want from you. Years ago, I was, uh, uh, my wife and I, we, we've been mar married 13 years. In our first year of marriage, we moved into a townhouse off of McNaughton Road and, uh, we were in a fancy, one of those gated communities. Every time I drove in, I had to lift up my pinky to get through the gate. There wasn't like a secret code. It was your pinky up. That was the way you got in. And uh, we thought that was fancy. And, and we thought that having a gated community would keep out, like, you know, people that didn't belong there, you know. And uh, boy, were we fooled. And uh, one morning, we woke up, came downstairs, and um, I found that my car had gotten broken into. Uh, I, I got robbed, and I didn't know that because they smashed a window or anything. I actually just leave my car's, uh, car unlocked uh, generally, and um, I park it up underneath this carport next to my neighbor's car, and uh, I came, came down, and I instantly knew my car was broke into, and again, not because any of the windows were broke, because, see, I have, uh, when I find things that I like and I think are going to be valuable, I'll take them for now, even though I can't use them now in hopes to be able to use them in the future. Some of you guys call those people hoarders. Um, that's not me, though. 
And I had found a big schoolroom, like a classroom whiteboard, and I took it, and my wife wouldn't let me bring it in the house, so I, I kept it in my carport, and I screwed it into the wall on the carport. And the reason I knew that I got broke into was because I keep a marker there to be able to write on it and write notes to my wife and stuff, and I came out, and what was written on that whiteboard was, you got robbed, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, What? Everything in my car was tossed, my iPod Nano, you know, the one with the little wheels on them? Like, you had to just, you guys remember the old Nanos, the iPods? Yeah, do you, anybody? All right, that's the old people in the room. Kids are like, what's an iPod Nano? Is that new? No. And I, I remember finding, finding out that I was broken into, and I immediately uh, went into Gil Grissom mode, like from CSI. I was like, listen, you guys want to get over here? We, uh, we got a 514 and a 26, and... Uh, they used my whiteboard, so I'm pretty sure their fingerprints are all over the uh, marker. So just go ahead and bag and tag it and take it off the evidence. And we'll. Uh, and they did. And I said, well, where's the guys doing, like, the fingerprints to find out? They said, we, we, we don't do that, sir. And I had my dreams crushed. But, but the point is I got robbed. And the thing about it is the thief did not call me up or knock on my door and say, hey, bro, I'm going to go ahead and get in your car and steal all your stuff. Like, he didn't send me this text message. Hey, Aaron, it's the thief. I'm uh, ganking all your stuff. Love you. Mean it. Like, he didn't do that. The MO of the thief is that they don't, you don't know that they're there. You're not aware of the thief's presence. You're not aware of what he's doing. You don't know. And that's the strength. That's what, he, that's what he's hoping for. And that's the same with the devil. His ploy is you don't know. If you don't believe that he exists or that he's real... Well, then you don't know what he's up to, let alone that he can steal from you. That's the way he wants to work. That's why I need you to know truth. That's why you need to believe, hey, these things exist. Because when you know the truth, it'll set you free. You've got an enemy. Heads up. First Peter says this. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, just in case you missed it, right at the beginning of that Verse, your enemy, not my enemy, not your next door neighbor's enemy, it's your enemy. It's all of our enemy. The devil, he's walking around like a lion, and he's looking to devour you. So he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Don't be fooled. Don't think, well, if I leave him alone, he'll leave me alone. No, that, that is not how that works. That, that is just not how that works. It's funny, it's interesting to me how lost people believe in like angels and guardian angels, right? They're like, my guardian angels watching over me. But when it comes to, de to, to devils and demons, they're like, no, th those things don't really exist. They don't, they don't believe that's the case because they're comfortable with angels. They think angels are like fluffy white and they're just, they're all, oh, they're like this. But you know what? Every time an angel showed up on the scene in the Bible, people hit the ground. And an angel was like, hey, bro, chill out. Don't be afraid. Angels are terrifying. People are like, yeah, this is the angels. But they don't believe in angels. They, or they believe in angels, don't believe in demons. But on the, on the opposite side of that, you got people that think everything's a demon. It's a devil. Can you believe what happened? It's a devil. There's a devil getting after him. No, not today, Satan. Not today. Today, it's a devil. 
Everything is. I remember Sh- uh, Shannon tells a story about how when she was a little girl, she was watching David Copperfield on TV, and he's doing this interactive magic thing where you touch the screen and you follow his instructions, and he's going to do a cool trick. And Shannon pulled up to the screen and went to touch it, and she smacked her back. said, hey, don't you touch that. You'll get a demon on you. Don't do that. I just think it's ironic that she went on and married a magician, you know, so it's just funny. Just really, really funny. But I'm, I'm also a pastor, too, so I counterbalance the devil. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, Satan hails the skeptic and the superstitious alike. In other words, he likes it when you think that everything's a devil. Well, I ran out of gas today. I must have a devil on my gas can. No, you forgot to fill the gas tank. That's it. You don't got a devil. But on the other end, he likes it when you are skeptical, when you just don't believe that he exists. Just because you don't believe he doesn't exist doesn't make him go away. The next thing you need to believe about demons is that we can be under their influence. You say, Aaron, we're people of God. We're saved. Going to heaven? You think we can be demon-possessed? No, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Possession is very, very, very different. Possession is ownership. It means mastery over. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is being influenced by like in, the, in my case, at my house, when the thief broke in, that car didn't belong to him, but it certainly was influenced by him. My house was influenced by the thief. My life was influenced by the thief. It's just like a bottle of alcohol. It has no mastery over me. It does not tell me what to do. But when I consume it, I'm under the influence. We can become under the influence. Let me, let me show you in the Bible with one example of how how you can get under the influence of a demon or of a devil. In Ephesians 4, it says this, In your anger, do not sin. In other words, it's all right to be angry. God gave you those emotions. He understands those. But in your anger, don't go mess things up. Don't, don't sin. Get it right. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't go to sleep with all that hatred inside. Deal with it. Even if you just got to deal with it in prayer because you can't deal with life right now. Deal with it. Don't go to sleep angry, although there's plenty of times it's been an incredible blessing to my wife and I. We've stayed up all night long until we got that thing resolved. It's a powerful thing to do, honoring this verse that way. It says, don't, give a, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Look, every time you do something that's contrary to God's best for your life, we call this sin, every time you do that, you open a window to being influenced. You open and give the devil an opportunity for a foothold in your life. Like, for example, guys, when you're clicking on that porn site, when you click on that and open it up and view the images on that, are you going to hell? No, I don't believe that at all. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to your father. However, every time you open or you take a step away from him in some way, you open yourself to the influence of that thing. There's tons of examples throughout scripture. This anger one is an example. You can walk away in your attitude. You're opening yourself up to being influenced by the enemy. And Paul is pleading with us to close those doors. He's like, do it. Do close the doors, remove the enemy's opportunity, and don't let him rob you anymore. That's why he says, do not give the devil a foothold. He who's been stealing must steal no longer. In other words, take away the opportunity. For me, you know how we, we, I removed the opportunity from the thief to rob me. Do you know how I did that? I stopped putting my valuables in the car in the first place. I don't keep them there. 
uh, you can lock the doors, but if they break in, they're still going to get the stuff. And so I removed the opportunity for the thief to rob me. Nowadays, I don't keep anything in my car. And my car has been broken into multiple times, sitting in my front driveway. Do you know what they get? Nothing. They get nothing from me because I took the opportunity away from them to rob me. I removed it. And you can do the same thing. Remove the enemy's opportunity to rob you. And that's how you get free from their influence. The next thing you need to know about demons is that they have to flee in Jesus' name. That's the good news, right? They have to flee in Jesus' name. Yes, they exist. Yes, they can influence us. But they got to go when Jesus, his name is invoked. Look at Luke 10. This is Jesus. He sent out a whole bunch of people, 72 of them to be exact. And he's like, I want you to go out. I want you to heal people. I want you to cast out devils. And I want you to preach the good news. Tell everybody about me. And this is what they did when they returned. They said, the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, listen, when you read your Bible, make sure you read your Bible. It says they return with joy. I think too often we just, and they did return with joy, and yea, I saith unto thee. Like, come on, chill out. It says they return with joy. These guys are losing their minds. They're jubilant. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. High five. And Jesus is celebrating right back with them. And he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yo, dudes, check this out. I was there on the day that the devil initially revolted. Because remember, he was like an angel of light. He was the angel that led worship. And this dude got it all wrong. He thought he could be God. He got a third of the angels together, and they led a revolt. And you know what? I was there. I saw it all happen. I had popcorn. I was watching Father God. And you know what? How long it lasted? Lightning quick. That was it. The devil was defeated. There was no insurgency. It did not rage on. There's not a battle in heaven. God isn't concerned about who's going to win and who's not. He's already won. And this is Jesus just jubilant with these guys. Like, dude, this is so awesome. I was there. I saw it happen. It's great. Let me move on. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, symbols of demons. And he said, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's like, yeah, be excited. It's cool that you can cast out devils, but be more excited that your name's written on the Lamb's book of life. That's more important. You're going to heaven. You're on the right side. You're on the right team. The enemy is defeated already. Here's another great verse that talks about our conquest. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, fine, pastor. I hear it. But I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling. I believe all that. I believe I'm a spiritual being having an earthly experience. I believe the demons exist and... They can influence me and that I have authority over them. Fine. But I still got this area. What do I do with that? Why am I still struggling? So let me unpack this over the next few moments for you. There's some truths I want to expose you to that is the secret to it all. Second Corinthians says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. See, there's a fight going on in the spiritual world right now. Uh, have you joined it? Are you part of it? 
Because I think many of us, we like the, we like the nice parts of prayer. We like to talk to God. We like to, to worship and sing and have our sins forgiven and to give forgiveness. We like, we like to tell God what we need. We like the nice parts of prayer, but we're missing the part where we're supposed to join the war. Where we're supposed to be on the offensive here. Because communion or prayer isn't just communion with God. It's also confronting your enemy. And the Bible assumes that you're part of that war. It assumes that you're part of that battle, and I hope you are. He continues on and says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. A stronghold is that area in your life that you're struggling with. It's that area in your life that has the strongest hold on you. That's why you're still struggling. It has a hold on you. You say, but I'm saved. And you probably got like 95% of your life in order. You're still confused as to why you're struggling with that area. Still got stuff to get free from. And the power of this message is found in the definition of the word stronghold. The Bible's written in two languages, Hebrew and Greek. And this is from the Greek, the New Testament part of it. And there's a, several definitions of the word stronghold that are going to help you today. The first definition of stronghold is a prisoner locked by a deception. Why is that important? Well, because it's not a devil with a pitchfork that's got you held bound. Nobody's holding you captive at the, at the end of a gun or a knife. It's only a lie. That's the devil's only weapon that he has is a lie. It's a deception that you've believed. And once you believe the lie, he has influence over you. Second definition of a stronghold is living by something that isn't true. So it's a stronghold is a deception. It's a lie that we actually live out. We've bought into it. We believe it, and then we respond to it. So we believe in God. We love Jesus. We go to church. We're going to heaven. And yet we still believe some lies. What problem does that point to? Does that point to your heart? No. Your heart's made right. The moment you receive Christ, your heart's right. What it points to is a head problem. We got some stinking thinking going on. We bought into some lies. We've got some corrupted thoughts. That's what the enemy does. He corrupts our good thinking through his lies. And Jesus gave this job description of the devil, if you ever wanted to know what he does. He said, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Do you notice the theme there? Lies, lies, lies. He's a liar. That's his job. That's it. It's a one-sentence job description of the devil. That's his job. That's the only power he has. So what do we do about it? Well, let's go back to Corinthians. This is Paul again. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. You can just read that as lies. We demolish every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? It's his word. It's the Bible. It's what God has to say about you and me. It's what it has to say about him. It's what it has to say about Jesus and his spirit. That's why we need to be in our Bible. So we can defeat the lies with God's word. And it says, and we take captive every, here's that word, thought. To make it obedient to Christ. The real battle is the battlefield of the mind. We just need to reprogram our minds. And that's the journey. That's the journey that I'm inviting you on. If you want to be free, you got to change your thoughts. you got to do that. And I, like I said, I can't do that 
in a 30-minute message, but I can take you on a journey where little by little we change your thinking. You're like, really, Pastor? That's it? All i got to do is change my thinking and I can be free? Yep. That's it. That's it. If you don't believe me, here's another verse. This is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You're like, I'm trying, God. I'm trying, but what do I do? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there it is again. You guys want to see it one more time? Ephesians 4.22, you were taught to put off your old self. I'm trying. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. No, duh. So how do I do it? To be made new in the attitude of your minds. There it is again. The victory is won in your mind. See, we defeat the enemy by replacing every lie he has told us with the truth of God's word. Man, that was so good. I'm going to preach to myself later. I'm going to listen to this podcast and be encouraged for real. That's why I love that you attend church. For reals, I like, that's why I like that you're here. But honestly, Sunday isn't enough. This, this isn't enough. You need a process for your life to change. And that process that I want to invite you into, I want to ask you for something. I want to ask you for a year of your life. I want to ask you to commit over the next year to align yourself with what we do as a church. Whatever it is that we're doing, I want you to jump in with both feet. And I promise, if you do, that you will have your life changed. Those areas that you're struggling with, you'll find freedom in them. So in the next year, what I want you to do is, every time the doors are open here on a Sunday morning, come. Unless you're sick, stay at home. Keep that there. We don't need the plague running around in this place. But... But if you're in town, come. Be here on a Sunday morning. Join us for prayer. We pray on the last Sunday of every month at 6 o'clock here in this building. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Come, we'll teach you how. We'll teach you how. Join us on the 21 days. We'll do 21 days of prayer in August, 21 days of prayer and fasting in, in, in January. Join us. Do it with us. You say, oh, I'm not sure about that. That's fine. You know what? you got to do something you've never done to get something you've never had. So that's your choice. Join us. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. If you haven't gone through growth track, go through growth track. If you haven't joined a grow group, join a grow group. If you're not serving on a team anywhere, get on the dream team. Serve people. There's great joy that is available to you that you'll never know until you start serving other people. That's just the truth. I'm not lying to you. I want good things for you. I promise you. Some of you guys need to make sure that there's a, there's a new group we got coming up called Freedom Group. And in that group, we're going to go week by week, 13 weeks of intensive where we peel back the onion and shine God's light into certain places of your life. I, believe, I really believe everybody in our church needs to go through it. Me too. To go through it and allow God's light to shine in our lives and to re reveal those lies that we've believed and get some freedom. But what I'm asking you for is a year of your life. I know that's a big commitment. I get it. If you want to have the same life you've always had, then just keep on doing the same things you've been doing. But if you want to have a different life, join us on that journey. And if at the end of 12 months, you can honestly look at me and say, Aaron, I don't know, man. I, I didn't experience anything, any kind of change in my life. If you can do that at the end of 12 months, I'll help you find another church and I'll go there with you because we don't got it like I think we do. I'll go. So just join us. Just join us and see what God has for you. In the next couple of Sundays, I'm going to share more truths with you. Because we need to know the truth. That's how we find freedom. But as I wrap up our time today, I want to give you some three simple truths. 
that you need to know. These are like the starter truths. It's the truths that every other truth that I'm going to share with you over the next couple weeks is built upon. It needs to be the foundation that's not just in your head, but it's in your heart. And the first truth is that God loves me and is for me. God loves you and is for you. And too long, I think the message in church has, from, from pastors has been that God's angry at you and he hates you. He's mad. But that's not the case at all. That's just a big lie. God's not angry at you. He's not mad with you. He loves you. He loves you. He knows what you did last night, and he still loves you. In fact, if there was a refrigerator up in heaven, your picture would be on it. That's how much he thinks about you. He loves you. He thinks about you. In fact, John 3.16, if you've, ne- if you've heard this verse a thousand times, you're going to shut your brain off right now. Don't. Let it wash over you new. This is the message paraphrase that says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. Listen, nobody loves you that much. Nobody loves you that much. Only God. I mean, I'm your pastor, and I love you. I pray for you. But if it came down to you and my kid, either one of my sons, I'm going to choose my sons all day long. Now, my daughter, I might, I might surrender that one, but I'm just, I'm just kidding. She's probably in here somewhere. I'm just messing. Seriously, though. If it came down to you and my kids, I wouldn't surrender my kid. I don't love you that much. But God does. He loves you that much. You say, why does he love me that much? Great question. And this is why. This is where the verse goes on. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. You say, well, Aaron, I'm not sure. I I don't think a loving God sends people to hell. You're right. God doesn't send people to hell. The people that wind up in hell are people that have chosen to go there. People that have chosen to carry their own sins and pay the price for their own sins themselves. Instead of receiving the free gift that God's offered them, the forgiveness that comes through relationship with Jesus. People choose to go there. God's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He loves you and is for you. The second truth you've got to start believing is that I can be free. I'm afraid so many of you guys have lost hope in this area. Whatever you're struggling, you've lost hope and you just think it's never going to change. But I need some of you to, to start believing again. To let hope rise in your heart. In fact, why don't you say it with me? Say, I can be free. I can be free. Yeah, you can be free. You can be free, and you need to believe that. You don't have to be bound anymore. You can be free indeed. Romans 8 says this. You no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ. Like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That's just beautiful. You can be free. And the last thing you need to remember is, I can be restored. Psalms 71 says this, though you have made me to see troubles, many and bitter. And can anybody identify with that? You've seen some troubles. You will restore 
my life again. See, God doesn't just forgive. He picks you up. He sets you back on the right path. He makes all things new. He restores. And when God puts things back together again, he puts them back better than they were in the first place. In fact, I'm telling you, that's the best part of his day. When he gets an opportunity to give you a redo. When he gives you the opportunity to restart. Fresh page. He loves that. In fact, I believe so much so that that God's love, that the work of Christ on the cross was all about restoration. You know, the name of this church was almost Restoration Church. Because that's what God did in me. I was on a, I was on a path following him and I took myself off through disobedience and attitudes. And God restored me, made me better than I was before. And I believe that's what he wants to do in your life too. And I can tell you story after story of how God has restored people. I almost, the first message I was going to preach was me called Restoration Hardware. That's not a story at Easton. That's, that's three nails in a cross that Jesus used to finish his work so that we can be restored. That's the hardware. As I close, and I'm just going to finish this out. I want to share one story with you. I love this story. He's one of my closest and dearest friends, and I'm thankful for Jason. But Jason bought into a lot at some point in time in his life. He was here this morning sitting on the front row. Jason bought into a lie and he started living according to it. Jason came from a good home, good community where they were involved. Beautiful, beautiful family, family business where he was working in it. He had it all, but he bought into a lie. Jason started using drugs. And instead of getting help with that situation, he started acting like he had it all together. And ultimately that thing took over control of his life started telling Jason where he was going to go and what he was going to do. And the next thing he knew, he was hurting family members in ways that he never intended to hurt them. He was stealing from people. He was lying. And the family didn't know what to do. And it got so bad, it got to a place where the family came to him and said, what do we have to do just to get you to go away? And with a broken heart and nothing left, no car, no job, no family, no support, Jason put himself in rehab, and he wound up in a recovery program here in Reynoldsburg. And he got invited by my dude Richard. Richard, where you at? There you are. Richard's right there. And Richard drug Jason over, and I'm glad they're part of this program that requires an hour a week to God and an hour to the program. They had to go to church somewhere. Most of them just sat like this the whole service, and Jason was no exception. Every week, he came to a church in a funeral home. But something happened. Jason was leaving church one day, and he got in his car, and he was driving home, and he said, Aaron, I just felt the power and the presence of God just filled my car, and it's almost like I just knew that he loved me. He said, it was so overwhelming that I pulled my car over next to the Dairy Queen down here, and he said, I just began to sob. He said, and I felt God's love. Jason started believing some truths, believed that God loved him, that God was for him, and that God could restore him. He called me up. He said, Aaron, he said, listen, I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to get baptized. He said, but 
I, I need, he said, I need to read a Bible. He said, I'm Catholic, and we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What should I read? And I said, you need to go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so Jason and I began a journey of taking those lies and getting them exposed with God's truth. And as he began to accept them, I'm going to tell you what God did. He restored Jason's life. Jason sits today completely drug-free four and a half years. His family has welcomed and accepted him back, forgiven him. He's working at the family business again. And, and he married a beautiful young lady that I got to marry in this place two years ago. And now they're serving God. In fact, these, these lights that go crazy and move all around, Jason did all that. He said, I got this gift inside me. He said, I want to come and serve. I was like, do it, buddy. Just do it. God's using him in an incredible way to make an impact not only on people that suffer with, that are dealing with drug and alcohol addiction, but he serves you guys here, and most of you don't even know him because he sits back there at that light board in the sound booth. But God made a difference in his life and restored him. And I believe that's what God wants to do for you. If you'll let him, you gotta call on him. You gotta ask him for help, and you need to start with, I believe God loves me and is for me. I believe I can be free and I can be restored. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your truth. I know it's uncomfortable. I know in the next couple weeks we're going to go to some places that people don't like. But I know this. I know that as uncomfortable as we are with dealing with that one area of our life that we struggle with, I know that inside each one of us is screaming for change. Each one of us is ready to surrender. And that's what we need today. Got hearts that are ready to surrender. So Lord, make it so. Soften our hardened hearts. Lord, help us remove the defenses. Help us call out to you and ask you for help. Because that's what we need. We believe you love us and are for us. We believe that we can be free. And we believe you desire to restore us. So do your work, Lord. As we continue to pray, as you're, if you're here and you're listening, and whether you are a Christian or not, I'm talking to the whole room right now. Getting free begins with being fully surrendered. This is where Christians kind of get confused. They're like, well, I go to church. That's not what I'm talking about. You can be a Christian and not live a fully surrendered life. God wants to see you free, but you've got to go all in and get all that God has for you to be free. So I'm not asking you if you're a Christian. I'm asking if he has your all. And today, whether you're already a Christ follower or not, you can make a decision to surrender to give him your all, to go all in for what God has for you. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if that's you in this room, you say, I want to go all in. I'm ready. I want you to pray with me. In fact, I would love for you to make another step. Would you just kind of slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm going to go all in. Do that now. Say, that's me. I'm going to go all in. I'm ready. Yep, yep, that's awesome. Thank you. Yep, yep. Any others? I'm in. I'm going all the way. I'm tired of this. I want freedom. I'm ready to surrender all. Anybody else? All right, guys, let's pray together. 
Yeah, thank you. I saw that hand back there. Proud of you. Let's pray this prayer. Repeat after me and just mean it from your heart. Jesus, I need you. I need you to fill my life. I need your power to live for you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. I'm all in. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, the Bible says for one person that repents, all of heaven has a party. Come on, guys. Let's celebrate with those that have said yes to Jesus today. Let them know you're proud of them. It's the right choice. Good decision. Listen, if you made that decision today, I would ask you to take a moment to take out your connection card and mark it on the back and say, look, I made a commitment today. We'd like to celebrate that with you if you'll give us the opportunity. At this time, we're going to call our uh, service host forward. We're going to receive of our tithes and our offerings. And just listen, if you are a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're really glad that you're with us, so uh, just know that. Uh, as they come to prepare for you, I want to share some numbers with you. Uh, three, 354, 55, and 7. <laughs> I said bingo. I'll tell you what those numbers are. Three represents the number of, of Easter services that we did last Sunday. 354 is the number of people that walked through our doors. 55 is the number of documented dream team members that served the people and made all that happen. Although I'm pl plenty sure that there was many of you that showed up that weren't even scheduled to and you pitched in and helped. Seven is the number of people that said yes to Jesus last week. And come on, we celebrate a little bit. Now, seven's the number we have because your pastor's an idiot. I, uh, during first and second service, I forgot to ask people to mark their connection cards. And so third service, I asked him to do that. And we got seven from third service. So we have, may have more, but uh, we'll celebrate the ones that we know about. Amen. All right. Look, are you guys ready? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your uncomfortable work in our lives. We're, we're thankful for it, even though it hurts a little bit right now. Father, we pray that you would just continue that work in us and bring it to completion. We love you and are thankful, Lord. We pray that as we receive this offering, God, you would uh, help us reach more and more people with every dollar. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us? We're gonna